Hey everybody, welcome back to a very special episode of the Hate Sound Podcast. I'm your host, PD Buckets, at PD Buckets on Twitter. Today, my buddy Chris Pyle and I are going to preview the A10 tournament second round games coming up for you. First, we got Bonnie's Dukes, then uh, Slew UMass, VCU Dayton, and then uh, Mason Davidson. So, um, four pretty fun games tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go through those, then at the end, we'll get to some of our favorite plays based on uh, what we're going to project the uh, the lines and the spreads to be. Uh, first, uh, Chris Pyle, uh, say what's up. Hey, man, not much. Uh, we're just living life, living large. We just got out of the most expensive club in Richmond with Dave Kaplan because now we're, uh, <laughs> we're Twitter famous, if you didn't know. Uh, if you didn't listen to the broadcast earlier today during a uh, couple of the games. In case you're, in case you're not familiar with what Pyle's talking about, Dave Kaplan, uh, commentator for NBCSN, uh, shouted us both out uh, during the broadcast today, which is just freaking awesome. Like, my Twitter was just a total disaster because it, like, it got all these new follows, people saying, like, oh, this is so cool, like, look at you, and, like, clipping the video and sending it to me. Super, super cool moment, like the coolest thing that's happened to me since I started, uh, you know, being a full-time nerd about A-10 basketball. Um, so shout out to Dave Kaplan. But uh, we know the game started at 11 a.m. tomorrow, so we want to be like super quick about this so people have time to, you know, listen to the whole thing while um, while they get started. So, Pi, let's, let's jump right in. We're starting with Bonnie's Dukes tomorrow. I don't think we have a line on this yet at the time that we're recording it, but Ken Palm has this as 69-61 St. Bonaventure. That implies a uh, point total of about 130 and a line of about minus 8 for the Bonnies. I would be surprised if it opens that high. I would think it's probably going to be closer to 7-ish. Um, or if it opens at eight, probably comes down a little bit. But uh, start with, um, uh, you know, Bonaventure is the one seed. They had the double bye. They didn't play today. Dukes had that game against Richmond. How do you see this one playing out? Well, I think St. Bonaventure, you know, having the fresh legs is going to be a big factor here, just like with all the other double bye teams. Um, but this team is really experienced. Uh, I think they learned a lot from that Dayton game that, you know, anyone can sneak up on them, including Duquesne. Um, Duquesne, I think, also has a lot of confidence. Plus, knowing, like I said in the last pod, Keith Dambrot does play uh, his team a lot better each time they play their opponent again and again. Uh, you know, you saw with Dayton and Rhodey. So I really think Duquesne can keep this a lot closer than people think. However, I think St. Bonaventure is just way too experienced. They're shooting a lot better from three, even though Duquesne covers the three a lot better. And I think, you know, Bonnie's will pull this out by maybe one or two possessions. What about you? Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like we kind of have the same read on this one. I don't think, I don't know, I don't feel like I see Duquesne winning this, but all of, you know, a lot of these matchups are in favor of Duquesne. Bonnie's are not a great shooting team uh, from inside the arc, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, Bonaventure, they, uh, you know, they, they get a lot of shots at the rim, but they don't shoot very well at the rim, um, at least not relatively. Um, and they take a decent amount of jumpers too, which aren't, you know, aren't, aren't usually great shots. Um, and the Dukes press the perimeter so well that they disrupt three-point shooting. So if three-point shooting is your strength, um, Duquesne takes that away really well. Um, and, you know, Bonaventure has a good offense, but it's it's not on the strength of what they do inside the arc, which I think is a little bit surprising when you dig in. Um, one of the other things that makes Bonnie's makes their offense really good is that they rebound really well. 
Uh, however, it, and they get a lot of offensive rebounds. However, Duquesne, um, also a fantastic rebounding team, has a really, uh, a really solid front court. Um, a, a really solid front court with Michael Hughes and Marcus Weathers. If you look at this um, um, at this Ken Palm matchup, both teams are really good offensive rebounding teams and a little bit um, a little bit softer on the defensive side. So a couple things that like you know are in favor of the Bonnies in the way that they usually play teams and what makes them a good team are things that uh, Duquesne can neutralize a little bit. So I think if they'll like, I'd be surprised if the line's going to open at um, Bonnies by eight because like just because of the matchups and because Duquesne did play him close this year. Um, but it feels to me like we're, we're sort of, you know, we're sort of in line there. Um, I don't necessarily see this game being a blowout. Yeah, I don't either. And one thing I'm going to really look for is that total because the first game it play, it was played in like the, oh, the 60s and 40s, right? Like Duquesne really wasn't established that well with the current team they have, uh, you know, and they got better as soon as like, you know, Chad Baker and Okani started playing a lot more minutes. Michael Hughes got better and the game was a lot closer, but still in those 60s, right? So I'm going to be really looking at that total because I think, a, you know, if Vegas kind of guesses a little too high, I think we can get a really nice, really nice number for a potential under. For the under, yeah, 61 possessions and 67 possessions in those first two games. Um, however, Duquesne's not sure how much to read into this, but Duquesne's last three games are in the red for possessions there on Ken Palm, 74, 71, 74. So mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been speeding up a little bit there. Uh, and then I think the other thing with the uh, with Bonaventure that you kind of need to worry about is that they just walk a tightrope in every single game because they they do not have much of a bench at all. They only play the same five guys. If Osun Osuni or uh, Kyle Lofton, if those guys get in foul trouble, then they are just so totally different. And you know it doesn't. They're, they're good at enough at defending without fouling that it doesn't hasn't hurt them too much this year. But in a tournament setting, uh, you know, it's just like where everything's magnified, including like your weaknesses and things that could potentially go wrong. Um, that's one of the things that's sort of like hanging over Bonaventure's head. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, and with both these teams having very big. Uh, or very prominent guys down low, you know, if either one of these teams, you know, loses their big men to foul trouble, like the other team's really just going to attack the paint, I really feel. Yeah. And one thing about this, uh, one thing about this matchup uh, that I think is is important is that when you look at, uh, when you look at the front courts, uh, the Bonnies really only have Osun, whereas Duquesne has two, two forwards between Michael Hughes and Marcus Weathers. Um, Marcus Weathers didn't play very well in either game uh, because Jalen, I think it was, yeah, Jalen Attaway um, is more of a bigger guard. I wouldn't really call him a forward, but he does a really good job on Marcus Weathers. Um, so that's a, uh, you, you know, keeps him out of the paint, forces him to settle for jumpers. Marcus Weathers has a really good post game. So you're like ideally you're getting him the ball on the block. Um, and Attaway is good at preventing him from doing that. It's like when you're breaking down matchups ahead of time, it looks like that's something that should be, that should work out in Duquesne's favor, um, but it didn't through either of the first two games. So that's, you know, uh, I'm kind of wondering if Marcus Weather is going to be able to crack the code tomorrow. Yep, I agree with you there. So, all right. So I think we both, you know, we both probably sounds like think uh, eight points is a little too high for the Bonnies, but uh, both think that, that Bonnies are, neither of us seem to think that the Bonnies are in real trouble. 
Right. Moving on. Let's go to St. Louis at Massachusetts. Uh, Ken Palm has this 77 to 70, so point total of about 147, which <laughs> how many – what did they score, like 250 points today against uh, St. Joe's? Um, <laughs> but uh, point total of around 147, uh, St. Louis minus 7 uh, is around what we're projecting. Give me your thoughts there. Well, I think UMass did us a favor by scoring 100 points because Vegas might take that and start raising the total in like the 150s, you know, uh, seeing that and might give us a gift with an under here. But uh, we'll see. But, um, you know, when you look at 100 points by UMass, you would think Trey Mitchell had about 30 or 35 of them, right? Like, but today he only had 14 points. And I'm kind of concerned that they're not going to get enough production with Trey Mitchell. They didn't get him in the last game with St. Louis. They haven't really gotten it at all since they come back from the COVID break. And that's their guy. That's their bread and butter. They're going to run everything through him. Uh, luckily, UMass was able to get a lot more contributions today. But I think St. Louis has a lot better defenders than St. Joe's. And that's obvious, you know, um, with St. Joe's defense. But, um, you know, I, I know some people are kind of thinking this game might be a little closer but st louis has a much better defense um their offense is a little bit questionable uh still i think but um their defense has been a lot more locked locked in and i i really feel we're gonna get somewhat of a carbon copy of what we saw last week again with or this past game with st louis and umass with st louis so you 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 think st louis onslaught is the way you're thinking yeah. Yeah. So when you look at matchups, um, UMass is one of the worst teams in the country in terms of allowing shots at the rim. So one of my favorite uh, websites to break down stats like this is Hoop Math, which tells you on offense and defense, not only not just two pointers and three pointers, but like who's getting to the rim and who's allowing teams to get to the rim. UMass, one of the five worst teams in the country in terms of allowing the opponent to get to the rim. That is just death against a team like St. Louis. I think that St. Louis and UMass, they matched up pretty well last year. St. Louis was the top four, was a top four seed, and UMass wasn't that good last year. But UMass actually, they beat them once, and then they lost in overtime. Um, so it seems like some matchups are there. You know, this year, I just don't quite see it. And actually kind of the whole time, like that whole second half, when we were watching them just absolutely destroy a St. Joe's team that was clearly tired, I was starting to think that, like, you know, I, I hope UMass is inflating the line and that people like overreact to this game so that we can get a better number on St. Louis. And I, th- I think <laughs> yeah. that that might happen. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it, I think with Trey being the way he is, and I know a little bit more on Trey, but even if Hassan French gets in foul trouble, like they have more big guys they can throw on him down low. I mean, Jordan Goodwin can play really good defense on him too if he decides to play more from the perimeter. Uh, and I don't really know, you know, who's the next guy from UMass that's going to step up. You know, today it was Ronnie DeGray. Is it going to be the same? Um, you know, uh, I, and you mentioned the games from last year, too. I, I think about those games, too. And the thing is, I feel like UMass didn't really get as much better as St. Louis did like they yeah. like St. Louis just shot up like and and they became the team that we kind of saw in the non-conference and now that we saw at the end of this season whereas UMass they kind of haven't taken that next step yet as a team right they're still pretty young and they're still learning getting there and 
Uh, that's kind of why I think, you know, last year's games, we really don't need to focus on them as much and more as like, you know, the game that just happened. Totally. Yeah, totally. And one of the, one of the like difficult things to try and, um, figure out about this UMass team is all year they've lost to every good team they've played and they've beaten the bad teams that they've played. Yep. And that's like, we don't, um, I don't feel like we've seen much of a middle ground with them. And then I also I meant to make the point that they actually they have a disadvantage at the rim on on both sides of the ball. Um, St. Louis actually shoots really well at the rim. UMass um, has the UMass doesn't defend the rim very well in terms of like allowing shots at the rim or field goal percentage. But then also UMass doesn't get the ball into the paint nearly as much as they should or that you would think they would, given that they have Trey Mitchell, sort of a premier polished post scorer guy. Um, 270th in the country in terms of field goal percentage at the rim. St. Louis um, top 75 rate and defending at the rim. I don't see UMass winning this if it means that they're going to have to hit a bunch of three-pointers. They shot like 15 of 34 today or something ridiculous like that. And I just don't think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we can count on that happening again. Yeah, I agree. And St. Louis, another thing is too, like St. Louis is very good on on the boards and like it sh- like it shows UMass is also pretty good too, at least on the uh, defensive glass. But St. Louis uh, doubled them up on the offensive rebounding. So even if St. Louis is offense, which is kind of, you know, it can be on, it can be off if they're missing. Um, I think they can, they're going to really own the offensive rebounds just yeah. because also just because, you know, they just, UMass just played a game just the other day, and I know it wasn't like a bit like just just today, and I know it wasn't a lot, but you know most people got like a rest, but still it's they're not as well rested as St. Louis's, and and I kind of didn't think about that as much when placing my bets. I just placed it like a normal <laughs> game, uh, yeah. for the most part. But uh, we keep forgetting that's a huge factor in this. It absolutely is, and there are a couple other things like. St. Louis doesn't have a turnover problem, and one of the, you know, one of the indicators of whether or not UMass has a good matchup is if the other team has a turnover problem because UMass generate does a pretty good job of generating turnovers. Um, and then, you know, I also wonder about UMass's legs because they had that goofy like seventeen day pause in the middle of February. They played one game on February twenty third, then they played that game a week later against St. Louis. Um, and then three days later, they played their first conference tournament game. And now tomorrow, they're playing two games in two days. I could see the UMass legs fading a little bit in the second half. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think we're – sounds like we're pretty uh, well in line there. Got to move on to VCU and Dayton. This game is one of the most interesting on the board for tomorrow. For me, it just totally depends on whether or not Bones is healthy. Uh, Vince Williams, we're hearing, is good to go. Bones, uh, still going to be a game-time decision. Ken Palm has this as 70-64 VCU. No way it's going to open that high with Bones uh, being questionable. Probably VCU by two or three if Bones is playing. Probably going to swing very hard if uh, it turns out that Bones is out. Um, but give me your give me your thoughts on, on this one. I really think... Uh as a Dayton fan, I was very encouraged today because I think this was like the the hump, right? They lose to the bad teams and they can beat the good teams. And the one good team they haven't beaten is VCU, right? I think the one thing that is a big X factor in this is Rodney Chapman because even if Bones plays, 
they're gonna Rodney Chapman's gonna uh, be stuck on Bones, and I think that might play a bigger factor just because you know Rodney was very good today. He had three steals. He was he was all over Fats. Um, he was all over the court, um, and you know he also provide he can also provide that spark on offense too, just because. Um, you know, we saw it against another team very similar to VCU, which is Mississippi. He scored 20 points. So, and Rodney Chapman wasn't in either of the first two games. So, I think that could be an actual big X factor in this one. Just like right off yeah. the bat, that that like screamed off the page at me. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's a great call out. Um, if you're new to the podcast, um, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm PD buckets at PD buckets on Twitter with Chris pile at not private pile. If you're new to the a 10 and like just found us, Rodney Chapman is widely regarded as the best on ball defender in the conference. So yeah, I think it's a great call. Like Dayton, not having him for those first two VCU games is just so like, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, and then I think that, the other thing about VCU is that um, VCU's offense is not good without Bones. Um, Bones scores 19 points a game. Vince Williams scores 11 points a game. Everybody else scores like seven points a game or fewer. So we say that VCU is deep because at one point in the season they were running like 11 or 12 deep. But I think they're not going to have Kashawn Curry for this game. And then that guy Jimmy Clark left the team. So they're a little bit less deep right now. Um but, you know, when we say that they're deep, it's like they run a lot of bodies out there, but it's really Bones that does the scoring for them. Bones is like the threat. He's the guy that can get his own shot. Um, and, and I think if he's, you know, even if he's in, but he's not 100%, VCU is just going to look different. I felt like that Davidson game was instructive because Davidson sort of played VCU straight up, you know, stay in front of your man, don't don't let him in the paint, make him hit jumpers. And VCU, this VCU team is not designed to beat you like that, um, particularly if you're not turning the ball over. Um, but then that's sort of like the rub here. Dayton has a turnover problem. Um, and I'm not sure you're, you're the Dayton fan. Like, don't you, you know, you tell me about that. Like, what did you see in those first two games? Do you like do you expect that to rear its head tomorrow? Um, I do a little bit just because. I, I think that seeing it for the third time, Anthony Grant's going to have a different plan. Like the first time, whatever that game plan was, it obviously didn't work. And then the second game, you know, it got a little better, but near the end in the second half, it just kind of got out of control. So this third, this third time around, I mean, including Rodney Chapman in this, um, you know, I think Anthony Grant's going to have a little bit more of a different game plan maybe have crutcher bring the ball up the court a little bit more um plus chapman saw this team last year twice and they handled the press pretty well together with crutcher and uh chapman on the court so mm-hmm. um i think that could I, like i need i know i keep going back to the ronnie chapman thing but i just think it makes a huge difference because which, who would who would you rather have Rodney on out there who has seen this team multiple times? He's also probably seen it from the bench. Or you want to throw out Elijah Weaver, who you know just got thrown in there this year to see him, yeah. right? Yep. No, it's it's big. You keep talking about it because it's obviously big. Um, all right, so we got one more game to cap, then we're going to get to our uh, favorite plays uh, in just a few minutes here. But let's move it to Davidson and Mason. Last game of the night, prime time. 530 68-63 on Ken Palm right now. So we're looking at about a point total of 130, 131-ish. And Davidson by four or 
five, which I would expect. What do you expect to see here? You know, I think these teams are a lot more closer than people, a lot closer than people think. Um, you know, in conference play, which I think is a huge because Mason was a much different team in the beginning of the year than they were, especially now at the end of the year. Um, you know, George Mason's offense uh, in conference play as like six in the conference. Davidson's defense eighth. Davidson's offense in conference play is third. D- Mason's defense has been fourth in in conference play. So, like I know that doesn't tell the whole story, but you know I really think the way that Jordan Miller and Javon Green have been playing defense, uh, playing up on other teams' guards, especially in that VCU game. Um, where I was very impressed by them. Um, I feel like they could do something similar to Davidson. Now, I know Davidson shoots the ball at an extremely effective rate, um, but I think Mason has the guards to defend it, especially with uh, Hyung Jung Lee. Um, I know Grady uh-huh. kind of gets his points, but um, I think they could really defend up on the guards. And, you know, Josh Rodero has really come in and been the guy that I thought he could be since the beginning of the year and I think they could really exploit that with AJ Wilson on uh, Luka Brykovich so honestly I think Mason has a decent shot here to pull off an upset tomorrow what about you (laughs) yeah it's it's weird I mean my first reaction was like absolutely not and I still don't love the matchups for Mason but David you know Davidson is a weaker three seed I think is fair to say Um, like they're not untouchable uh, it, you know they 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 lost a they lost some fairly winnable games this year. They never looked like, oh my god, it's like the Davidson of old, where they could just like you know avalanche you with three pointers like they've done in the past. Um, but where what I really don't like about this matchup is how well Davidson keeps teams out of the paint. Um, Davidson is uh, about you know Davidson's one of the best teams in the country in terms of preventing the opponent from shooting at the rim. Um, top or not one of the best, but like top 100. So they're pretty good at it. Mason, if you've listened to this podcast before, the amount of like long twos that Mason takes is absolutely infuriating to me. Like there's so many jumpers, like not enough getting to the rim. Uh, Mason has a bottom 100 rate in getting to the rim. In this game in particular, that translates to Mason potentially getting in a jump shooting contest with Davidson, which is should make you laugh if you follow this Mason team because <laughs> this Mason team is not a good shot making team, um, and Davidson is. So if this like if this turns into a shooting contest between Davidson and Mason, Davidson's going to win this by fifteen. Um, I also like there are also some other matchups that neutralize each other. Like both teams have decent rebounding numbers. Um, but the, uh, you, you know, but the thing is that the, um, they're both like team rebounding teams, you know, I've sort of made fun of, um, I've made fun of, you know, Davidson's athleticism, but at the end of the day, they have the, uh, um, uh, they have the fourth ranked, I think, defensive rebounding, um, uh, defensive rebounding numbers in the entire country. One of Mason's strengths is offensive rebounding. I think Davidson is going to be able to keep him off the boards. They're going to be able to keep him out of the paint. Um, I wish I felt better about Mason's chances. So that's what I was going to say next is 
I know George Mason is very good on the offensive boards, so is Davidson's good on the defensive boards. I feel like that's going to be the biggest matchup in the way Mason can keep in this game because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Mason's not that great of an offense. They're not very uh, efficient. But if they're missing shots and they're getting underneath with Oduro and Wilson, you know, if they're getting rebounds, I really think that they could. And, you know, they're getting second chance points. They're not just getting rebounds. Right. So uh, they can really come back and not come back, but like they could really uh, take advantage of that and, you know, make this kind of a dogfight and kind of a messy game because Davidson's so efficient, right? And yeah. they're they're kind of like, they play pretty basketball. And I feel like Mason needs to muck, muck the shit out of this game in order for them to win. <laughs> no, I think that's spot on. Mason, Mason needs to muck it up. Is Davidson going to let them, um, you know, I, I don't know. I wish I felt better about it. Um, but uh, we are like right at the five minute mark here. So this is perfect. Uh Pile, parlay pile. Is parlay pile going to make an appearance today? Because um, now we're getting into our favorite plays and what we like bet, what we like most on the board tomorrow. Dude, I I've been two and one in these three leg parlays. <laughs> I better hit one of them before this tournament ends. But I'm up yes, in single bets and every uh, uh, total bets. I'm up, so mm-hmm. it's it's cool because I hit all the Mason bets today. So you're, you're we're so good. Close, yeah. I know, yep, man. You- you were you were all over that Mason live line in the second half when they were down like eight, which was um, probably paid you pretty well. So that was sharp. Um, yep. But yeah, tell me, uh, tell me, what do we like tomorrow? Uh, you know, I'm really interested to see what the opening line is for Duquesne Bonaventure. Um, you know, I I nailed that Duquesne plus five and a half today, and that was even before Francis was out. Um, I had a pretty good inkling, but I really wonder if you know. You know, if the line is going to be somewhere around that seven, eight point mark, because that's a lot, and you know what's, these teams play kind of close. So what's going to be too? What's going to be too much for you to um to take Duquesne? Like, what at what number are you not going to snap Duquesne? I pro. It's probably going to be. It needs to be more than five. It needs to be more than five. Yeah, I think I. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably with you there. Um, four or five ish is where I'm like gonna gonna pause probably. Um, but yeah, and then um, read on uh, over under on that one. Maybe. I'm probably gonna go. I'm probably gonna go under uh, if it's in the. Uh, let's see, it's about the one thirty five ish. You think? I don't. One thirty ish on Ken Palm, but I think we covered their three point defense on both sides is just way too good. Like these these teams are gonna score two points at a time. Uh, most yeah. of the game, which is tough to you know tough to accumulate uh, a lot of points like that. Um, but yeah, what else you got? Um, depending on what happens with bones, I would probably take Dayton, uh, Mm -hmm. to cover the spread. Um, you know, like you said, their offense is completely different without him. Even, even with Chapman, even with bones being kind of somewhat healthy, uh, look at the Dayton line. I think it might be somewhere, you know, around that four, um, you know, anything less than four or four and a half, I probably wouldn't take them. Um, yeah. I would probably I and also I would probably look at the under in that one just because even even without bones VCU's still going to force Dayton turnovers so I would probably look at the under in that game as well. Dayton had a lot of trouble scoring both times, absolutely, um, and we covered that bones is like bones is so key to VCU's offense. Um, yeah, definitely. If he's out, if he's limited, that feels to me like a pretty ugly game that doesn't. Um, doesn't doesn't score a lot of points, but obviously I think we can't make a call on this one. Um, the call is like v- 
closely monitor your Twitter feed tomorrow to see if Bones is playing or not because that's yes. like so, so huge. Yeah. Um, cool. What else? Uh, anything else you like on the board? Uh, UMass Slew. It's got to be an over, right? <laughs> it's got to be an over. Yep. yep, I think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, um, you, you love your overs. It, life is too short to bet the under. And yeah. if you, yeah, it, I, you know what? My brother-in-law the other day, he asked me for a lot of a 10 picks and I made him, I made him a quite a bit of money today. So he's happy. <laughs> he's going to buy me a, a round at the bar. Um, he played an under last week. It was just like off the wall. And he was like, I'll never do it again. And I'm like, I told you, man, play mm-hmm. the overs. I mean, some unders you got to take like the Fordham one the other day. I took the GW team under today. Like those you got to like be realistic about, but like, yeah, these game overs, you just got to find the overs and anyone want any of them. You're not cool with just fade it, baby fade it. And yeah. I will come out I will come out with a parlay before the 11 a.m. games. Parlay Pile is going to hit it and maybe Dave Kaplan gives me a <laughs> shout out as Parlay Pile. I will probably I'll probably piss my pants. That would be so you, funny. You got to change your Twitter handle if that happens. I w- um, I might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think tomorrow for me I'm probably going to snap slew um whatever it opens at 7 or 8 like I think, oh, you true. know. I think uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm still skeptical on UMass, um, and then I might look at like something like um, you know I probably look at Davidson minus five, and then also probably might look at Dayton team under if Bones is out, um, because I think if Bones is out, VCU is going to um, try and you know I don't see them running as much. I see them slowing the game down a little bit. Um, uh, you know I, I think they're going to play a little bit differently. Um, and, and I think that's like still need to noodle through it a little bit, but that's one of the things that I am, uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about. Um, awesome. So we are right about at time, uh, pile. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, happy a 10 tournament, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed the action. Um, hope you enjoyed the pod. Uh, we might be back here. I'm probably previewing the championship game sometime next week. Heck yeah, man. Let's get it. Thank you.